So basically, you know, with a standard condensate trap, you have to have water in the line to maintain the seal. Yep. And the whole premise behind the waterless trap is you actually use the air pressure of the equipment, whether it's negative pressure or positive pressure, um, you use that to maintain the seals. At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a waterless trap. What I mean by that, it doesn't have to have water in it to create the seal that a, that a trap needs, P-trap, whatever kind of trap it is. We're talking about condensate traps, by the way. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to talk to Connie Lahid. She's the president of the Sham Technologies. And we're going to talk about a waterless trap. We're going to talk about how a trap that's dry can actually account for a lot of misused energy to reheat or recool air that you're sucking in through a dry trap. The other thing we're going to talk about is some mechanical codes and stuff and how that relates to condensate. Stay tuned guys, educational one. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. This podcast is sponsored by The Master Group and recently I did a little video demo of an Asserti wet switch that is a Diversitech product. So basically you drop it in like a pan or the floor and it shuts down a machine if there's condensate issues. Now, a couple of people were saying that it takes a while to reset. Somebody mentioned that if you take a shop vac to the back of it and just suck all that water off, get all that saturated moisture out of that switch, it resets fairly quick. So I thought I'd bring that information to you because it seems like a legit way to get that thing reset back up and running. Check out master.ca. We've been working with Cintas as of late on the podcast as a sponsor to let you know they provide great workwear for the blue collar trades, HVAC, refrigeration, gas, pipe fitting, whatever it is. They got breathable, stretchy, they got Carhartt, they have programs where they will wash the uniforms and bring them back to your shop so the technician is not responsible for washing their uniforms. I mean, I know some techs, I'm not going to name names, that don't wash their, they haven't washed their uniforms in a long time and they show up to work in a dirty shirt. I've actually had to tell one specific tech, you're not coming in the building with that dirty shirt. Anyway, the rental programs that, that Cintas has where they wash them for you, avoid stuff like that. So if you're looking for uniforms for your team, check out Cintas.com forward slash HVAC know it all. Welcome to the HVAC know it all podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Connie, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I, um, I'm actually trying out mushroom coffee this morning. Have you ever tried oh, that before? No, I have not. So I, it's, it's actually got instant coffee in it, but it's got a bunch of different mushrooms as well. And it's supposed to be good for uh, a bunch of different health, health aspects. Like uh, one of them, one of them they say is uh, dealing with stress and, and the body being able to handle stress a lot more. 
So I've been drinking it now for about a week and, and I actually kind of feel a little bit of a difference, to be honest with you. So really, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So but and, and it doesn't taste like mushrooms either. It actually has a pretty decent taste to it. So I'll have one more sip and we'll get going. Okay, <laughs> okay that sounds good. All right. So we're going to talk about some condensate stuff. And later on in the interview, you're going to tell us about some codes that are kind of popping, popping their head out. And, uh, and I'm presuming the U.S., but a lot of times U.S. and Canada, they kind of go um, hand in hand. One, one starts something and the other one catches up eventually, I find, because we're kind of in the same general area of, of the world. And, and we kind of like to raise the bar a little bit as far as codes and, and standard of work and stuff across the board, right? So yeah. before we get into that, and we're going to talk about waterless traps. Waterless traps is something that a lot of people are like, what? Waterless traps? How does that work? So we're going to talk about a waterless trap and how it works and some generalized condensate kind of stuff. But what I'd like you to do, Connie, is just give yourself a quick intro of who you are and what you do. Sure. So Connie Lawhead, I'm the president of Desham Technologies. Um, Desham Technologies is an R&D technology-based company. We are the inventor and manufacturer of the HVAC air trap. Um, me personally, I've been in the industry since 1996, and the owner of Desham has been in the industry since 74. So he used to make package units. So some of the issues that plague people, uh, contractors, mechanical engineers with condensate traps, he personally experienced, and that's kind of how it all came about. Awesome. But you're forgetting one thing. Aren't you the, aren't you the, the trap queen? I am the trap queen, and if you saw my reel, I was the trap queen for Halloween. I Were even you? made the jewels. Yes, awesome. I I had a, a, a air trap necklace for it. So how yes. did I, I? I'm interested in in how that name came about. Did did you did somebody call you that one day, or did, are you the self proclaimed trap queen? No, <laughs> no. So um, since 2016, Subco has been our master distributor through North America. Perfect. And okay. Jim Adcox, um, that was kind of my intro when I would speak uh, before the ASHRAE show, the AHR Expo, wherever it was. When he would introduce me to the team, it was, and the trap queen is in the house, and it just kind of stuck. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, it's, So you it's, can thank Jim for that. <laughs> yeah, Jim, Jim was actually on um, the podcast a year or so ago. We had a whole bunch of discussions around trade fox and and tool um inventions uh, created by technicians and stuff so that that was a good one so yeah I, I i know jim as well so let's let's get into condensation and the waterless trap can you explain what the waterless trap is sure sure and i actually i don't know if you could see it all right i actually have one of our smaller versions of it so basically, you know, with a standard condensate trap, you have to have water in the line to maintain the seal. Yep. And the whole premise behind the waterless trap is you actually use the air pressure of the equipment, whether it's negative pressure or positive pressure, um, you use that to maintain the seal. So in this case, this is the FCN, one of our models. And what happens is if it's a negative pressure, you install it just like this the negative pressure of the system will actually hold the ball in its seat. Okay. Once you have condensation and when the water pressure exceeds the air pressure, it will cause the ball to move and then condensate to flow out. So that's the premises of it. You know, you're already going to use the energy 
to uh, run the equipment, right? The fan's going to be running to cool or heat the air. And so we're making use of that. So you don't need any additional water to maintain the seal. You know, some of the challenges with a standard P-trap is evaporation, um, not having not having enough space, freezing, breaking, um, crud, sludge, mold. I mean, that's just some of the problems that we hear. One of the first calls that we always get um, is we don't have enough space. We actually just had a situation this week where a contractor in or engineering firm in Texas called us and said, okay, so we're swapping out the units. They forced us to take out the cement pads and now we don't have enough space for a condensate trap. We were doing research and we found your trap. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, you know, for in negative pressure for a standard P trap, you need two times plenum pressure plus one for your height, your vertical height before you can make that turn. All we need with our trap is the plenum pressure. You could do plus one for um, safety factor, but you now have reduced your height required to, you know, half the height. So that's a huge, huge benefit. Um, The other thing is when you are doing startups or change of seasons, you have to prime the trap to put water in it. Otherwise, in a negative pressure, once the condensate starts flowing, it'll be sucked back into the unit. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do that with a waterless trap with the HVAC air trap. Basically, once condensate flowing, once the water pressure exceeds the air pressure, the ball moves and condensate starts flowing. And we have, at this point in time, about 14 different models. This is just one of our smaller ones. Um, Really was designed for fan coil units or light residential units. But from a negative pressure, it can go all the way up to five inches. You can actually install it vertically for positive pressure and positive pressure the way all of them work is it blows down and it holds it in its seat once you have condensation it's not about water head or water pressure it's about buoyancy so it will float up so that's kind of the base basic premises behind it so um so there's a lot of benefits to it um you know one of the things can can i throw in a benefit before i forget So I'm just thinking here and me being in in the, the, the location I am on the the globe, we have a quite, quite a long heating season. And in my, where I used to work, it was, it was all commercial work and it was a lot of rooftops. And one thing I can see uh, a a benefit with that ball, basically in, in a couple of different scenarios is that in the heating season, right? The trap, the trap is dried out on a rooftop unit. So if the trap is under a negative pressure without that ball, you're sucking in cold air while the fan is running. Now, a lot of buildings that I've, I've worked in, the fan is on all the time. So basically you're sucking in cold air all the time and dumping it into the space, which is not really good for energy efficiency and all that. So, and then while the heat is running and while the heat is running, you're actually still adding that cold air into that into that stream of of warmed air so you're actually reducing the efficiency of the appliance in in a way right because you're you're introducing that that cold air so having that ball there to kind of suck back towards the 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 rooftop and seal that incoming air kind of makes your appliance a little bit more efficient right yeah. So um, the owner of Desham actually did a study in 2018. He published a white paper, white paper in reference to that very topic. 
the cost of energy loss due to failed P-traps. So it's interesting. I, you know, I follow a lot of contractors um, on Instagram. And so I'm always watching to see different installations. I always kind of zoom in and look to see what does the trap look like. And at your one of your uh, previous podcasts, you mentioned, especially up in Canada, you come out of the unit and you don't um, take the condensate off the roof. You just let it dump on the roof. Around here, yep. We just let yeah. it dump on the roof, yep. Yeah. And and so if you zoom in closely on some of those installations, you can look around the roof curb and you can see the corrosion and the damage that's happening to the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other side is exactly what you said is, you know, when you don't have an extended length, you know, the chances of, especially for negative pressure, you're getting ambient air sucked into the unit and you are decreasing the, um, the efficiency of the unit. With the white study, what we determined, and this is U.S. only, um, based, and this is including heating and cooling season, it's about $3.8 billion per year lost in energy costs. I mean, that's a real number. We've been bringing forth some education on condensate neutralization lately, and it's all because of JGM Alkaline Technologies. They reached out, they wanted to bring forth this education and get a little bit more awareness around this. So we're talking about condensate on this podcast. So condensate neutralization is, is, is another step in that, right? So we have a pH scale. We have zero, which is acidic. We got 14, which is alkaline. Right in the middle is, is seven. Anything below five is corrosive. Out of heating appliances that are high efficient, we have acidic condensate. We want to bring that condensate back to between six and eight. We bring it back between six and eight. What we're going to do is neutralize it so it's non-corrosive. Okay, so if you want to Google JJM Alkaline Technologies and see what they have to offer, uh, do so because you're going to learn a little bit and see what kind of products you can use on your heating equipment. The other thing we're going to talk about here is the Emerson White Rogers AllSpark. It's an ignition control that can take place of over a thousand other controls. Now they've just updated the White Rogers Connect app that allows you to take your defective part number. Once you find out if it crosses with the sure, uh, the AllSpark, sorry, the Sure Switch is another product. Once you find out if it matches or crosses over with the AllSpark, you're going to use a White Rogers Connect app. You're going to enter that part number in there. You're going to hold your phone using near field communication, and you're going to put it uh, against the AllSpark, and it's going to update automatically. There's going to be a video link that I will put for you in the podcast notes here, so you can go watch it. Very, very simple to do, guys. Very simple. The video is only like three minutes long, not long at all, so go check that video out. The other thing we're going to talk about here is Supco. You heard Connie say that uh, Supco is their distributor uh, of the air trap, which is which is fabulous. Supco has a sub-brand called TradeFox. TradeFox takes technician-invented tools, right, and helps you bring them to market. So if you have an idea, a prototype, whatever that may be, there's an email. You email ideas at supcotradefox.com. With your idea, they'll get back to you. You guys discuss. And if you can move forward and figure out a plan, uh, it's it's a good way to generate some secondary income with your idea. So check that out. Wow. And we've, yeah. And so we took that study and UC Davis, which is a university and a testing um, out in California, they actually took the white paper and validated our findings, looking at the evaporation rate, and again, looking at the heating and the cooling, because exactly what you said, um, 
with um, the cooling side, um, if you are sucking in ambient air in the middle of the summertime because your condensate trap isn't, and especially in Canada, because you don't, you, you're going to have a fluctuation of how much air conditioning you're using if we just talk about the summertime, right? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be times or maybe the unit goes into recirc mode. So it's not, if the temperature goes up in the building at nighttime. So what's happening is if you're going to keep the condition space at, let's say, 75 degrees, that means off the cooling coil, it's 55 degrees. But if you're introducing ambient air, you could take it up two degrees. So then it's delivering at 57. So you look at it, well, it's two degrees, but two degrees over a period of time, that's real money. And you're affecting the efficiency of your unit itself. So that means your unit's going to have to run longer to hit that 75 degrees or whatever the temperature. So it's real money. There's definitely some energy costs that come into play there. Yeah. And especially on a building that's, that's large, um, and has multiple, uh, rooftops. Like I've been on buildings that have 30, 40 rooftops on it. Right. Right. And if, if all the traps are doing this sucking in air, when you're trying to cool or heat and, and you have this issue with bringing in outside air constantly. I know, I know you're supposed to have, um, you're supposed to have fresh air requirements anyway, but your, your economizer or your fresh air damper should be set up for that. Right. So that additional air through the trap is something that you really don't want. So yeah, I, I totally get it. And that's, that's a, that's a large number you threw out there. So yeah. what, what yeah, I want to have this, sorry, sorry, go sorry. On. I have a question after, but you you finish your your thought there. Well, the other side of it is positive pressure too, because a lot of times we don't talk necessarily about positive pressure because they think, okay, if we have condensation and if the trap's dry, well, it's just blowing the air and the water out. So it's not a big deal. But the thing you have to remember is that is also conditioned air that it's blowing out. That's right. You're losing it. You're losing it. So that has a real dollar amount to it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've I've seen where, I mean... In, in the land of, of rooftops again that you don't really see a p-trap on a positive pressure roof uh rooftop it's just usually a pipe and the pipe sticking out of the that because you don't need really a trap there because it's the, the the positive pressure is pushing that water and air out right we don't need the the, the water trap to, to hold back that um negative pressure um what I, what I did want to ask you is you said you look at a lot of contractors online and how they've done mm-hmm. their traps so th- this would be kind of a fun conversation. What sort of mistakes are you seeing when you look at some of these installs of these traps? Are you seeing any mistakes that people are making in generalized yeah. fashion? Oh, yeah. Like I've seen some installs and it and it's not just in, I mean, in, it's kind of around the, the, the world because I, I follow people in Europe and such. Um, I have seen where, um, same situation where they're dumping water onto the roof. However, what's also happening is the conduit that gives the unit power is actually falling right underneath where that water is dumping. So it's completely corroded. Mm-hmm. That's a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Not to mention you should probably get the water off the roof, but actually you are corroding what's giving you power. That's going to cause huge um, issues with the equipment. And again, not having the right size, I, you can definitely see where, you know, typically a standard P-trap isn't just a U-trap. You know, you have a certain height down and then halfway up and out, yep. typically. Um, and I see a lot of just U-traps, which is not going to function correctly. Um, so those are some of the biggest things that I see. 
so so I've used um so in the beginning of this conversation, you were talking about the the, the negative pressure and, and how you calculate mm. uh, the, the size of a P-trap. That there's there's one online. It's like a picture, and then it shows um, the, the the heights of the like the the, the drop down, and it shows the height that rises back up. And and and, and exactly what you said. I can't remember exactly how it's all laid out, but I've used that exact same picture to size P-traps before where we've had issues where that the water was not draining properly because the P traps were too small and they weren't, they didn't have a, a large enough drop on them because these, right. m- these machines had a, a very large negative pressure. Um, that is just the way they ran. They, they just, they right. just had a, a, a very big negative on the, on the return side and the traps didn't have a large enough diameter, first of all, and it didn't have a large enough or a long enough drop to, and, and once we increase the diameter and once we increase the drop um, and, and only came up about halfway, like you were saying, mm-hmm. back up, then the problems basically disappeared from, right. from there just by sizing the trap properly. And a, a lot of people just shove, like you said, they'll just go by a U and they'll just shove it on and not really understand sort of the science behind it. And that's why these podcast conversations are awesome, because we get to understand in depth why things are done. Right. So you, you mentioned commercial, uh, a, a mistake you see. What about residential? Like there's a lot of install, like when I go online, most of the installs I see are residential installs. Are you seeing anything that could be changed on a residential install the way uh, technicians or installers are installing traps? Like where, yeah. where the vent should be and, and, and should, should we be teeing into um, other, other drains like humidifiers or should, should just, we just have one dedicated drain per, per appliance that, that drains water? Like all these things are important, right? They are all very important. One of the biggest errors that I see when residential units are being installed is they're not giving any height. So they're coming straight out of the drain connection straight out and trying to um, take the condensate flat out, which is going to cause all sorts of issues with Mm -hmm. the equipment because you've got to have a certain height. I mean, we've gotten a lot of calls from, from homeowners where their water is backing up and overflowing and they can't seem to get the problem resolved. So, so that's one of the biggest errors is where they're setting the unit. They're not putting it up on a step or something sitting it right on top of uh, another unit. You can certainly um, take your drain line and put multiple, but you have to still calculate that you have enough height or enough slope. That would be the second thing. You know, there is, you should be doing an eighth per foot, an eighth of an inch per foot slope. And sometimes when you see some of the installations, especially like in attics, they don't necessarily have a lot of space Mm -hmm. or, or room for the slope. Yeah. So that can also cause issues um, with the unit itself. And all of these things, you know, we always joke and say, you know, and I feel like until we came along, um, condensate traps were almost like the orphan of the HVAC equipment. It wasn't really a conversation that was happening, um, I feel like, until now. Because uh, when we got into this, I did all sorts of research to see what information is out there. And there was very limited information out there. Um so, I mean, and I've done training sessions with contractors kind of around uh, the U.S. And when I start talking about the formula, just like you said, they were like, wait, there's a formula? We just grab, we grab a preformed trap and throw it on there. And so kind of explaining 
why there's a formula and what what's happening to the unit, I think is a good thing. You know, it's not just installing to understand exactly what's happening with the unit and why the condensate trap is so important. Yeah. So as we're talking audience, I will leave uh, a link to that Google photo because I think you can find it when you just Google it and then uh, hit images, but I'll leave a link to it in the podcast summary so everybody can check it out. Um, So you wanted to talk about some codes that uh, that pertain to condensate and condensate traps that I don't know if these codes are already in play or they're about to uh, be in play. Like you want to talk about that for a second? Sure. So one of the other mistakes that happens quite often is um, there is IMC, IPC. So that's International Mechanical Code, International Plumbing Code. There's also UPC, Universal Plumbing Code, and UMC, Universal Mechanical Code. So there's two separate entities that kind of handle the codes for that. Um, IATMO, it handles all the UMC, UPC. So one of the confusions that happens um, is contractors, installers, and even sometimes uh, mechanical engineers, they will look at the plumbing code when looking at to install, and even some inspectors. But the reality is that plumbing code is for plumbing fixtures, not mechanical. It's not meant for HVAC equipment. Okay. Um, I've had conversations with ICC. When you look at the IMC code, which is 307, when it comes to condensate traps, it literally is a one line, and it says a condensate trap must be installed per the IOM of the equipment manufacturer. That's it. Okay. Um, they actually have more detail the next line down when it talks about ductless mini splits, like th- exactly what type of trap you're supposed to use. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at the UMC um, and the UPC, it, it had a little bit more information, but not that much. Okay. And kind of some of this was driven from the pandemic because exactly what you were talking about, ambient air being sucked in from the rooftop, well, as you know, I mean, you've spent some world, some of your time in the commercial world. So if you go into a hospital or a senior center or a health center or something like that, you potentially are going to have multiple units for multiple rooms. Well, that same scenario is happening with a standard P-trap that that trap is going dry. So you actually are sucking potential contaminated air from one room into another. So IATMO, which has been around since 1925, and it's made up of plumbers and mechanical contractors and whatnot, um, they actually put a condensate trap, or not condensate trap, a condensate committee together to talk about how do we prevent this from happening because we know traps go dry. So how do we prevent the contaminated air getting into the system and going in and infecting um, the next room over? Mm -hmm. And so that kind of drove some of the changes to the code. And basically, um, the UMC code and UPC code are both being changed. And you have two options now, and they've integrated um, a standard. The only standard that we have found that truly details a condensate trap and an overflow switch. And that's IGC 196, 2018. In 2018, they incorporated a waterless trap. Well, the condensate committee for IAPMO um, has now integrated the IGC 
196 standard into the UMC code. So it was voted on and approved in September. It's very funny to me, and I don't necessarily understand why it's been approved in 2022. Those codes are actually being released in 2024, but they're pushing to get contractors, um, mechanical engineers, and whatnot to start utilizing the code sooner. Now, the other thing with IAPMO, you mentioned earlier about um, typically Canada follows after America does the standards. Well, actually, IAPMO is the one that does the Canadian standards. Okay. So, so they, um, so you will see this. You absolutely are going to see this up in Canada as well. So. What they're saying with a condensate trap, if you use a standard condensate trap, then you must use, it must have a primer installed so that you never, the, the trap never goes dry. Or you can use a waterless trap with a mechanical, you know, in our case, we use a ball but or something inside an internal mechanism to prevent any air from being sucked into the unit. Yeah. So those those codes are coming. Well, they've already been approved, but it's officially published in 2024. Nice. Okay. And and that's a good point is cross contamination of air in in different scenarios. Like in in most scenarios it's not really going to matter office, residential, stuff like that, but in like you said hospital, pharmaceutical uh laboratories, stuff like that, you you really don't want to cross-contaminate the air in in some scenarios especially if it's a clean room or something like that so that is that is also a good point now where would somebody go to find these codes like if would they need to is is there is there a website or would you need to get a copy of the the imc to, to see this in there so um so the the IMC has not been changed as of yet. That is on docket to be reviewed next year. Okay. They're actually going to look at condensate traps. This is the UMC. And okay, the UMC. All right. Yes. Okay. So you could go to the IAPMO um, website, and it is. How do you spell IAP? How do you spell that? Is IAPMO? Sure. It is I A P M O dot org is okay. their website. Dot org. Yeah. Okay. Dot org. So you could go on there and they have standards and codes. Um, and then once you get on there, you could search. You can't see everything unless you buy the full code, but you can see excerpts out of it. Um, but I can also send you some of the information and some of the links that are contacted at IATMO sent me, um, just so you could post it on your website or somehow link it into this podcast and stuff. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, cool. So, I mean, th th this is what I'm out of, out of all of this, this is what technicians the average technician, company owner, uh, installer should be hearing is that we now have another way to create legit work, right? Because because these because we've talked about the the energy uh, basically degrading the the efficiency of the appliance and extra energy used because we're sucking in air or pushing air out of a of a dry trap. Um, that is that is a legit a legit reason to go approach someone and say, listen, all these traps uh, are causing you um, and, and uh, issues with your efficiency and, and energy usage. So let's go ahead and change these. This is, this is what, this is what we can take from this. It's legit work, especially in a shoulder season where it's not, it's not hot, it's not cold. And, and we kind of, we're, we're kind of on standby waiting for the phone to ring. So these things I like, anything that we can fill our, our time with, 
and and we can back it up with documentation and stuff like that is is really good for a contractor to know because it creates legitimate work, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I mean any anything anything else we can throw in uh generalizing regarding condensation and and why condensation removal and, and management is 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 so important especially these days i mean I, I had a conversation with some some people that had a uh it was a device that shuts your water off if it sees the water consumption is too high like it's basically protecting your home from a flood and one of their one of their the things they said to me is water is the new fire right because we we've we've come to the point where we've protected our homes as, as best we can on our buildings from fire with sprinklers smoke detectors uh fire alarms like we've we've outfitted our buildings and homes as best we can with fire protection but i don't think we've done that with water and that's why water is the new fire and, and one of the stats they brought forward was from insurance companies showing mm-hmm. the amount of claims brought forward from water damage and if you have condensate issues within a home, especially if you're if you're in a, a finished part of the the home where you, your equipment is, or it's in an attic, it can drip down through the entire house. Um, these are things that we have to really, really think about and 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 be forthcoming with. So, give me some thoughts on on water is the new fire, and and how not managing your condensate properly can can be kind of catastrophic in some situations. Yeah, I mean, an example that you just gave is, um, <clears throat> you know, the condensate line um, preseason, right? Cooling season just kicks in and a homeowner, let's just talk a homeowner, doesn't know, oh, I should go prime my trap. They just click on the AC and let it roll. And all of a sudden they have water coming through because the drain pan is overflowed. Or during the winter season, if, you know, we now have crazy weather where it flips from hot to cold. And if you keep your HVAC equipment on auto, so it's clicking back from heating and cooling. So potentially you had water in your line and you didn't know it and and your condensate line got trapped or cracked, then you turn on your AC unit. And I live in Virginia, so we use a lot of AC. So when you kick on your AC unit, all of a sudden you've got water coming through the ceiling. I mean, that's tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage. And a standard homeowner will think, oh, I must have a roof leak. And it really takes some investigating to kind of figure out, oh, this is this is actually has to do with my HVAC equipment. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there's some real dollar value, you know, cost to it when it comes to the damage that water can um, can cause. Because very similar to like smoke, water will find a way. If it can't get through this crack, it will find a way. So you may have a leak that is 10 feet over here and it's, it's dripping down in your living room because maybe everything else is sealed better over where the unit is or something Correct. along yeah. that line. Yeah. Um, and the other side, like what we talked about on rooftops, um, you know, probably building owners and I would say maybe the maintenance people are getting up on the roof, but they're not getting up on the roof as often as they should. And eventually, if you are dumping all your condensation onto your roof, your roof curb is going to corrode. And now you're going to start having leaks coming down through the roof curb. And to repair a factory, um, an office building roof is a, is very expensive. Um, 
I mean, if you think about that cost, because now you also not only do you have to repair the roof where you've had condensate, so it's all getting corroded, but also now you have to look at how do I repair the roof curb? Do I have to lift up the unit to replace the total roof curb? Or, you know, what what is what is the solution to fix that? What is the most cost effective way to fix that problem? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those dollars add up pretty quick. Yeah. No, no, for sure. And and it's funny that you, I'm talking, I'm thinking of back in my, my commercial days where there, there is a leak dripping into the building and they call a roofer and the roofer comes out and says, it's the HVAC unit, <laughs> right? That's the first thing they say. So one thing that we used to do was we used to, um, there's a couple things that you can do here. I just want to throw this in as an educational point for anybody that, that is caught in the scenario where the roofer says it's the unit, right? So what we used to do is go up there with a hose and we would soak around the the unit for half an hour or so and not not on the unit, just have the hose on the ground running around the, the, the unit. And if it started to leak, we would know it's, it's the roof, right? Uh, and if it didn't start to leak, then we could investigate the unit a little bit further. And the other thing that, that we found, there was one problematic... Um, one issue where it, it was going back and forth, back and forth, and we couldn't find the leak. So it was actually the company owner. He went out and grabbed some uh, the grocery store, went out and grabbed some food coloring capsules or food coloring um, little things. And, and, and they were self-dissolving, I believe. And he just threw them all over the roof. And when the next time it rained, the ceiling tiles were the color of the food coloring. That's and he's like, and he's like, see, it's the roof. It's not, it's not the rooftop. Right. Because if it was the rooftop, I mean, so what I'm trying to say is because the food coloring was on the roof and the rain was collecting on the roof and dripping through automatically, you know, it's it's the roof that's causing the problem because the food coloring was down on the roof. It was not inside the rooftop is what, what, right. I'm, what I'm trying to say. So just a couple of things that we've done in the past to, to verify whether it was the rooftop or the roof that was actually leaking. So. Anyway, this has been this has been good. So we got some code changes. We've learned about a waterless trap and how it can help um, prevent losing your heated or cool cooled air, and how it can make your appliance a little bit more efficient. So, I, I, I mean, if there's anything else to throw in, Connie, now now is the time for sure. No, I mean, I think you know, I think we've covered quite a bit, um, and I guess you know, definitely take. Take notice to the code changes coming, um, prepare yourself. And, you know, I've always said in my entire career, knowledge is power. So the more knowledge you have about um, the product, the industry, the more powerful you can be. So getting educated on products like, for example, a waterless trap, I think that makes takes you to the next level, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, I use that line too. knowledge is power. I think I just used it on the last show that I recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, anyway, so thank you very much for your time today, Connie. That was great. My pleasure. My pleasure. And if you're at the AHR Expo, come visit our booth. We will be there. We have new products coming out. So be 1105 in Atlanta. There you go. Okay. All right. Another great conversation. Thank you, Connie, very much for informing us on the codes, how a waterless trap works, and basically the energy consumption we're going to use if our traps are not functioning properly that's really important actually so anyway guys thanks for thanks for tuning in and we're going to keep going with these educational 
conversations. That's it. I'm out. Thank you to the Master Group once again. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.